You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY Podcast on Apple Podcasts. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning, and we appreciate you tuning in and participating in worship with us this morning. You know, the line, Call Me Ishmael, may be one of the most iconic beginnings to the book uh, to a book that was ever written. It begins the classic Moby Dick written by Herman Melville. Moby Dick has been called one of the greatest uh, novels written in American history, and for good reason. When Melville wrote his now famous book, I doubt that he knew the, the impact and the inspirational quality of his storytelling. Melville took a, a lot of his inspiration from the, book, uh, from, from the Bible, and in particular, the book of Jonah. Call Me Jonah could be easily the beginning of a book of of ministry about the life of Jonah, and it's one of the most epic stories in all of the Bible. This morning, we're beginning a brand new series we're calling Running for Mercy, and over the next several weeks, we're going to look at uh, the life of Jonah, and we're going to explore this story of Jonah, and we're going to talk more than just uh, about a fish. You know, the book Moby Dick is known for a story of a man and a great fish, and in some regards, the book of Jonah is regarded the same as, as a book about a man and a great fish, but the book of Jonah is, is so much more than that. Jonah is over, overshadowed by a giant fish, and that's an important part of the story. But as we're going to see over the next several weeks, there's just so much more to the book of Jonah. Moby Dick is a, is a fictional character, is a fictional story about a great whale. But Jonah is a factual story about a great God. And Jonah, yeah, it's, it's about a man and a fish and a servant and a revival and a storm and repentance. It's about all of those things, but it's about so much more than these two. More than all of those things, Jonah is about a great, and is about a great God that is, has unstoppable mercy and grace. To say that Jonah is about a fish is to say that Romeo and Juliet is just a, about a schoolyard crush. It doesn't quite measure up. The great fish of Jonah is is really it's just an instrument that points us toward the great mercy and the great grace that God shows to to all of us. The the links that God is willing to go to pursue rebellious sinners. Jonah is, is a century old story, and yet it still offers us insight and encouragement. It, it still offers us faith for living faithfully in a in a world that is changing rapidly at, at a pace that Jonah and his contemporaries could have never imagined. And yet in all of that, we can still look to the simplicity of God dealing with Jonah, and we can see what faith looks like in our world today through the life of Jonah. Jonah was a rebel, and we are our rebels too. Jonah, Jonah was running, and we run too. Many of us run as fast as we can away from, away from God, but we run away in the opposite direction, much like Jonah did. And yet God's grace runs faster. God's grace runs harder than we could ever run. God's grace was great to Jonah. And yet even to us today, God's grace is great. Most of us are familiar with the name Benedict Arnold. It's a name that uh, is infamously known for being a traitor. It's, it's associated with treason. And what some people may not know about Benedict Arnold is that before he became a traitor, he was a, a general in the colonial army. He was a, a very accomplished general, in fact. And as the Revolutionary War waged on, Benedict Arnold began uh, growing increasingly uh, discontent with the way that the war was progressing. And ultimately, he thought that, that he wasn't getting the accolades and the credit that he deserved. He also thought that, that victory to the British was, was going to be uh, inevitable. 
And so he thought he would get back into the good graces uh, of the British before it was too late. And so he decided to switch sides and he became an ally of the British. He contacted the British and, and he decided to turn traitor. General George Washington had put Arnold in charge of a key outpost on the Hudson River known as West Point. And Arnold had devised a plan to sell West Point to the British, to the enemy, for 20,000 pounds. Ultimately, Arnold's plan was discovered and it was foiled and Washington labeled him as a traitor and he fled to Britain. Today, many would argue that Arnold committed the, the greatest act of treason ever known to man, ever known in American history. And certainly in American history, we could argue that. But it wasn't the greatest act of treason. That act belongs to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, they committed an act of cosmic treason against a, a sovereign God. It was the act of rebelling against God in the, in the Garden of Eden that, that led to man's downfall. What Adam and Eve did was indeed treason. They rebelled and they committed cosmic treason against a sovereign God. They rebelled against God's goodness, against His grace. And ever since the Garden of Eden, every human being on this earth has committed treason against God as, to, as well. We've rebelled. And yet the grand and gracious storyline of the Bible is God reaching down from heaven and showing grace to the rebels. That, that's the whole story of redemptive history. That's, that's the story of the Bible. That's the story of God's gracious pursuit to rebels. It's the storyline of the Bible, and it's the message of Jonah. The, the prophecy of Jonah is, is God in gracious pursuit. The big story of the Bible is pictured for us in four short chapters of Jonah. Uh, chapter 1 is a narrative of rebellion. Chapter 2 is the narrative of repentance. Chapter 3 is the narrative of, of redemption. And chapter 4 is the narrative uh, of restoration, where, where God redeems repentant rebels and He restores them. This is the story of the Bible, and it's the story of Jonah. And it begins with rebellion. Let's take a look at Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start in the first verse. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to, to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. The prophecy of Jonah begins with rebellion. God sent Jonah to preach to a people that were in open rebellion against God. But notice how it begins. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word that came to Jonah was clear and it, and it was precise. It was direct. Get up and go to Nineveh and preach against their evilness. God sent Jonah to a rebelling people. He, he was sending them to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was, was a great city by, by any measure of worldly standards. It, it was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And it was a, a city that was in the most prominent uh, powerful empire in all of the world at that time. It was a city that would have been known simply by its name, like, like New York or London or, or Tokyo or Los Angeles. It, it was the most prominent city in the most prominent nation in all of the world. Nineveh was, was filled with lots of great things. It was filled with, with great luscious gardens. It was filled with a large and prosperous irrigation system. It was filled with great and impressive walls and huge displays of magnificent art and libraries. Business was booming in Nineveh. There, there were lots of commerce, and it was an educational center. Nineveh was a great stretch by any, was a great city by any stretch of the imagination. But it was not only great for what it was; it was also great in what it did. It sinned, 
and it was full of evil. Nineveh w- would have been the Gotham uh, of our day. It was, it was a great city given over to wicked, si- to wicked sin. It was filled with idolatry and greed and lust and murder and all the wickedness of the human heart. It was a pagan city, make no doubt about it. And God sent Jonah to speak out against this pagan city. This was not Israel. This was Assyria. This was not Jerusalem. This was Nineveh. The, these were not people of God. These were Ninevites. And so this should remind us of, of one really important principle, that all nations are accountable to God, that, that all people, not just God's chosen people, maybe the Israelites in the Old Testament or, or the church now, but all people will ultimately be held accountable to God. All people must give an account for their waywardness and their rebellion against God. Paul would emphasize this in his letter to the Philippians in the New Testament when he would say, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is not simply Lord of the church. He's not simply Lord of the redeemed. He, he is Lord over all, and every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess God was reminding Jonah uh, of this and the world that he is God over all. And he holds accountable everyone for their rebellion. The remarkable thing in this, though, is that God was gracious to these rebellious people. God sent his word to them through the mouth of his prophet. He, He showed grace to them by pursuing them. However, in this instance, the prophet is no different than the people. How's that for irony that God would send to a rebelling people, a rebelling prophet? God told Jonah to get up and go to Nineveh. The word was clear. The, the will of God was in this instance was clear. And yet Jonah's first instinct was to rebel. It was to, to go the opposite way. And because rebellion, it comes naturally to us. We, we are people of natural rebellion. You don't believe me? Just spend a few minutes with toddlers. Uh, spend a few minutes in the nursery when we get back to church and, and watch toddlers interact with each other. You know what they do instinctively? They take toys from other children. They, they, they hoard them for themselves. They're, they're naturally selfish. You know what's a learned behavior? Sharing. We, we teach our kids to share their toys in the nursery because, because we believe that's a, a character trait of God. It's a learned behavior. We are rebellious naturally and instinctively. And sometimes we rebel because we act as if we don't know what the will of God is. And yet for Jonah, the will of God was clearer than most of us would ever want to admit or be willing to admit. And that's how it is for most of us. The, the will of God is clear, and yet we, we try to ignore it. We try to act like we don't know what it is. For many of us, we're searching around for, for the will of God as if it were some ever-elusive magical formula. And because we're unable to discern what God's will is, we are content to live in our disobedience. We, we spend our time chasing after and hoping for a word from God, but what we unfortunately fail to do is to actually look to the word of God. Like Jonah, if, if we would just simply look to the word of God, we would find the will of God. God God's will was clear because God's word was clear. It, it was that way for Jonah, and it's that way for us. Do you want to know what the will of God is? I hear that asked uh, from people all the time. They say, Adam, I just don't know what the will of God is for my life. I want to know what God's will is for me. Well, if you want to know what the will of God is, then look to the Word of God because the Word of God is clear. And the will of God 
is clear according to the word of God. The will of God is for husbands to love their wives, for wives to submit to their husbands, for, for parents to uh, obey, or for children to obey, uh, obey their parents. The will of God is that we would abstain from sexual immorality. The will of God is that we would be growing in the grace and the knowledge of, of our Lord Jesus. It's the will of God that, that we give thanks in all things. The will of God is clear if we would just go to the Word of God to find it. And so it was with Jonah. There was no misunderstanding of what God wanted. The, the Word of God was clear. The will of God was clear. He heard the Word of God. But, but rebellion is not rooted in ignorance. Rebellion is rooted in rank disobedience. Jonah didn't want to hear, and we don't want to know the will of God, so we don't go to the Word of God. We, we want to rebel. And so instead of rising and going to Nineveh like he was instructed to do, jo- Jonah rose and he fled to Tarshish. Now Tarshish was a, was a place far away. You might wonder about its geographical location, but, but that's really not the point here. The point is, is not so much about where Tarshish was, but what it represents. Tarshish represents obstinacy and rebellion. It's a place where children go to, to spite their parents. It's a place where men and women go to hide from God. It's, it's a place where we convince ourselves that we are out of, out of sight from God, that we are out of the presence of God. But here's the thing. When God determines to save, there is no escape to Tarshish. No matter how far you go and how far you try, you can't go far enough. No matter, no matter where you seek to hide, there is no hiding from God. In fact, Tarshish should remind us that, that no matter how hard you run, that mercy always runs harder. No matter how fast you run, that mercy always runs faster. And Jonah thought that, that Tarshish would save him from God. But, but the wonderful truth is that God saved Jonah from Tarshish. And he saves you from your Tarshish as well. May, maybe you've wondered why God for, forbid a, a job or a move or a promotion or, or a relationship. Even though you ignored all of the warning signs and you sought to silence God's voice, God didn't give in, nor did he give up on you. Instead, the mercy of God persisted until you could see, you could see the truth. The grace of God relentlessly pursued you until the will of God was not only good for you, but also good to you. And thankfully, you, may, you never made it to that Tarshish. I'm sure that there were people in Tarshish that, that needed to hear the word of God. But that isn't where God sent Jonah to. And how often do we do that? We, we try to rationalize our disobedience and our rebellion by thinking that we can make something good come out of this. Jonah thought to himself, probably, I'll go down to Tarshish and, and I'll preach the word of God there. God, you can send somebody else to Nineveh. Uh, I'll just go to Tarshish and, and, and I'll, I, I'm, I'll, I'll do that. I'm sure they need to hear the word of God too. Yet partial di- obedience is complete disobedience. Partial obedience only leads to, to full disobedience. God told Jonah to rise and he rose, but, but that's, where Jonah's diso- uh, oh, that's where Jonah's obedience ended. Instead of going east, Jonah went west. Instead of going north, Jonah went south. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went to Tarshish. Jonah wasn't just fleeing from God, but he was also refusing to do the will of God. Here's the real issue. Jonah was fleeing from the presence of God. It wasn't just that Jonah didn't want to do what God had called him to do. Jonah didn't want anything to do with God. 
And that's the issue when we rebel against God is that, that we rebel against God, we rebel against His Word, we, we are rebelling against Him, we are, re, we are saying that we don't want anything to do with you in this moment. And that was Jonah's problem. And that's our problem. But, here, but here's the thing that we need to know. Rebellious people, rebellious prophets, they don't stress God out. God isn't stressed by your rebellion. You know why? Because God is resourceful. He shows us how resourceful he can be in the next couple of verses uh, in, in Jonah chapter 1. Look at verse 4. It says, But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. God causes this great storm to, to come onto the sea because Jonah chose to rebel. And some of you right now are walking through some storms in your life and you keep asking, God, why is this happening to me? Now, I'm not about to say that in every situation, in every bad circumstance that we face in our lives, that it's a result of our disobedience. We know that sometimes bad things happen that are out of our control. But sometimes, sometimes, and probably more than we would ever care to admit, our current circumstances are a direct result of choosing disobedience. And that's exactly what we find here with Jonah. And so how does Jonah react to this? Well, instead of obeying God, verse 5 says that Jonah went to sleep. <laughs> this is amazing to me, that Jonah went to sleep. You know, when, when you're supposed to be awake, few things are probably more offensive than, than being asleep. When you're in school and you're supposed to be paying attention, there, there are not too many more offensive things that you can do than to, to put your head on the desk and, and just go to sleep. When you're at work and you're supposed to be working and fulfilling obligations and responsibilities that, that you're being paid for, few things are as offensive to the boss as to find you asleep. When, when you come to church and the, the preacher's preaching, well, we'll just, again, we'll just leave it as, as that few things are as offensive as falling asleep when you're supposed to be alert. Perhaps this is why sleep is often spoke of in the negative in, in terms uh, of of the Bible. Proverbs 20, 2013 says, don't sleep or you'll become poor. Jesus commanded the disciples to be alert at all times and, and was particularly offended when he asked them to pray and he found them asleep. But Jonah wasn't just asleep. The, the Bible says that he was in a deep sleep, that, that while the wind was blowing and the waves were crashing and the storm was raging, Jonah was fast asleep. Jonah was literally asleep in the midst of of God's power. This rebellious sleep points to a, to a spiritual numbness that he had encountered. There's certainly a, a time to sleep and a time to rest, but not in the middle of God's power. Not when God is working His wonder and revealing His will all around you. Not when, when God is calling you to Himself and He's revealing His purpose for, you, for, for your life to you. But, but Jonah was spiritually numb. God was doing powerful things all around Jonah and Jonah was asleep. Jonah slept in the midst of God's power. And he also slept in the midst of pagans. And so, so it was in the midst of these pagans, th these pagans, they go to Jonah and they tell him to wake up. Here's what verse 6 says. It says, the captain approached him and he said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and, and we won't perish. 
Jonah may have, have slept on what God was doing, but these unbelievers, they weren't sleeping. They knew that something was going on. They had been in storms in the sea before, and they knew that something was wrong. That They knew a, a, that there was a power that was inherent in this storm that was like none other that they had ever encountered. They knew that this was not the time to sleep. They didn't know all that was going on, but they knew that something wasn't right. You know, there's a unique shame on, on our spiritual numbness when the watching world can, can look at Christians in the church and know that something is wrong, and yet we seem to be, to be asleep to it. In the New Testament, Paul would indict the church at Corinth for, for tolerating obvious sexual immorality. Paul would say that what's being tolerated isn't even tolerated among the pagans. It's shameful that the hearts of God's people could be so numb to the will and to the way of God that, that even unbelievers would be able to, to know that something is wrong and, and the church is blind to it. It's the sign of falling asleep in the midst of God's power and in the midst of pagans. If any people should know the need for justice in the world, it's Christians. Those in the world know that something is wrong when, when those in authority abuse that authority. When, when God is shaking the foundations of our society, even, even the watching world knows something is wrong, and yet too many Christians are like Jonah. They're just asleep and, and oblivious to it all. No one knows justice like Christians do. No one should decry inhumane treatment and, and abuse of power like Christians should. God, ha God has told us what is good and what He requires of us. Micah 6, 8, for, for us to to act justly, to, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before God. And yet here it is, the, the patience of the grace of God. God is, is not adverse to, to using the unrepentant to awaken the repentant so that the repentant may demonstrate to the ungodly that, what repentance looks like. In other words, God can and sometimes does use the ungodly to wake up the godly so that the godly will repent and show the ungodly what repentance looks like. God used these pagan men and, and, and they came to Jonah and they said, wake up. Here's the irony of all ironies here is that they say to Jonah what Jonah should have been saying to the Ninevites. Get up and, and call out to God. Maybe, maybe this God will consider us and, and we won't perish. And there it is. In that sentence, there it is. It's, it's grace to the rebels. God was not going to let Jonah stay asleep. He came in power to wake Jonah up. And he does the same thing for me and for you. God isn't going to, to let us stay asleep. He's going to use all of his power to, to finally wake you up because his desire is to pursue rebels and to bring them into a relationship with his son, Jesus. What, what a grace-filled thought this is what they said. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Perhaps if you call on God, he will be gracious. Perhaps he will be merciful. Perhaps uh, he, he will um, sustain us. That, that's what they're asking here. And the operative word that, that they use is the word perhaps. Perhaps is the operative word because salvation isn't owed to anyone. Perhaps God will be gracious because, because salvation is always by grace. God is not obligated to deal with any of us except to give us what we deserve. And, and Paul tells us that what we deserve is, is death because we're rebels. Jonah was a rebel. Jonah was treasonous. Jonah deserved death. But Jonah, if you would get up and call on God, perhaps he would be gracious. Perhaps he will, he will see your need and, and perhaps he will grant you mercy. 
You know, rebels, rebels don't deserve mercy. Traitors don't deserve uh, uh, mercy. What traitors deserve is to be executed. And if you are anything like me, then, then you know that, that the life that you li- have lived is, is the life of a rebel. Re- rebellion has marked out every thought and intent of our hearts. And the only hope that rebels have is the mercy of God. Jonah's message is stop the rebellion. Stop the rebellion and cry out to God for mercy. And I am confident of this, that if you will, if you will call on God for mercy today, God will, not, not just perhaps, but, but God will be merciful to you because he has sent us one that is far greater than the prophet Jonah. He sent us his son, Jesus. And Jesus would say to, to you and to me, he would say, wake up. Wake up and stop rebelling. Stop running. Stop hiding. A.W. Tozer was, was right when he said that Jesus came to earth to make worshipers out of rebels. Grace and mercy have come to the rebellious. Christ redeems and owns and loves rebels. He loves us enough to pull us out of our rebellion if we'll simply turn to Him. If we'll simply wake up and cry out for mercy. The only question is, will we wake up? Will you wake up? Are you willing to to wake up and and to stop running, to stop hiding, to, to stop fleeing from God, and to choose mercy and to choose grace? Because the truth is, is that no matter how fast you run, how hard you run, God's mercy and God's grace always run faster and harder. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And we are thankful for for this, uh, this message that you have preserved and through, through centuries. Th- this message of Jonah that, that is really the, the story of the whole world. It's the story of, of redemption that, that we have chosen to rebel against you and yet you have chosen to pursue us. And so God, would you give us the wisdom, the, the courage, the, the strength to simply stop running, to stop running from your grace and your mercy and to simply cry out to you to accept the grace and the mercy that you offer to us, to turn toward you so that we might, uh, we might not be found as rebels or, or traitors, but that we would be found as heirs to the kingdom of God, that we would be considered a, as brothers and sisters in Christ who have been saved by grace through the outpouring of your love through Jesus on the cross. Father, we love you. And we thank you for for the grace and the mercy that we find in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.